This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. Welcome, friend, to our weekly garden party. We hope you brought along your questions because it's time to dish the dirt. On The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And a good Saturday morning, one and all. Frank Proctor here, sous chef of the garden, in studio at the Zoomerplex in Liberty Village. And on the phone line from her home in Prince Edward County, there's Charlie Dobbin. Good morning, Charlie. Good morning, Frankie. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. Well, I must admit, that trip uh, from, <laughs> from Stouffville down the 404, a little bit of a white knuckler from time I to bet. time this morning. Oh, well, it's particularly bad uh, when they've got barricades. They're doing a whole bunch of work on, on lanes in the middle of uh, the 404. And sometimes when those barricades are on the left, uh, it feels like they're gonna you're going to be running into them. Oh, brother. <laughs> so anyway, other than that, everything's fine. How about you? Did you get some snow? Oh, yeah. We got, uh, I would say, about two inches, maybe a little bit more than that overnight. Nice, because I've been absolutely Kelly green here. So green. Isn't that? So, yeah, it's just been so mild here. And so, yeah, green lawns, everything's just been super green. And then, thankfully, yes, I love it. It snowed last night pretty much all night. We had a little rain mixed in there. So we've got a mishmash of shiny, crystalline trees and white, uh, really nice blanket of white on everything. So, and yeah. you were mentioning in a little email you sent to me that <laughs> you're going to be able to use the skis that you got last year of the cross-country skis, uh, right? I hope so. I don't know. I, I don't know if it's quite enough snow, but uh, yes, that that's kind of the irony. Elliot and I got each other cross-country skis for Christmas last Christmas, <laughs> and they're still in their original packaging. They just haven't, we just haven't had enough snow to be able to get out, get out onto the land, but hopefully we will. Okay, uh, let's let's talk a little bit about what folks should be thinking of at this point in time with gardening in mind. Um, you've got a few thoughts on Christmas trees. Well, just before we go there, I have a confession to make, and I think I should just, you know, oh, unload no. this right now. Okay. Um, I started reading a book, and it was such a good book that I pretty much stayed up all night reading a book. And so if I'm a little slow today, it's because I didn't get enough sleep, <laughs> which one to let you know. Well, what's the name of the book? I mean, folks might well, be intrigued to, to know. You, you know what? It's a book that you would like because you and I were reading this series, and it's the, the author is Ken Follett. Oh, gosh, yes. Good writer. Yeah. So remember, yeah. he's written, and when he writes a book, it's like a 2,000, 3,000, or 4,000-page book. <laughs> so his newest book is called The Evening and the Morning. Evening and, and the Morning. It's only 3,300 pages long. And I just finished it at oh, wow. six o'clock. Well, five thirty this morning. So, um, I'm just yeah. writing that down so I can remember. It. I love his work. Yeah, yeah. So it's a prequel. Remember, we remember the, we read you know the pillars of the earth. And, yeah, right. The, oh, the he, Iger sanction, uh, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I think Fall of Giants. Oh, he's one of them. Tons of tons of books. Yeah, kind yeah. of a trilogy there. He's written so many books. This guy has right. like 160 million books in print. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so this is kind of a pre. This takes place um, around the year one thousand. 
So it's uh, oh. it was very good though. Oh, I, I do like right. the way I love historical fiction, right? So yep. that's what it was. So do I. Okay. Yeah. Uh, now uh, you veered away uh, from your Christmas tree item there. Uh, yes, I did. Uh, I've been thinking about. I haven't taken my yeah. tree down yet. But I imagine many people have or are in the process. Maybe today it's a crystal blue sky. It's a good day to take a tree down. Mm -hmm. So here's the deal. Let's not just put them at the end of the driveway if we can avoid it. Because some municipalities don't actually dispose of the trees anywhere other than the landfill. So why have it rot in a landfill? Why not just keep it on your property and let it add organic matter back onto your property. Um, you know, we talked about this, and I think actually a couple of years ago, your grandchildren were coming up right around now, and you were, we were talking about taking the tree outside, jamming it into a snowdrift somewhere, and then getting the kids to make some kind of funky, bird-friendly uh, ornaments uh, out of pine cones rolled in peanut yeah. butter, and then hanging them in the tree, and then, of course, providing some food for the birds, some shelter for the birds, and then allowing that tree to just do its thing, allow it to just decompose slowly. It'll take a few years, but allow it to just add good nutrients back into the soil. Uh, yeah. As a matter of fact, let me connect. We're going to be reading an email shortly from Marsha Lomas, who uh, has a question. But one tip she passed along for those still wanting to keep the Christmas tree up. She says, uh, the best floral preservative I've ever used is 7-Up, not the diet type. It keeps cut flowers fresh for a week and, and more, depending on the variety. In addition, you don't need to keep changing the water so often as it stays clear. Uh, and she said, I presume this also work quite well for Christmas trees. Now, one could use ginger oil. She says she's tried it with equally uh, good uh, results or another sugar-based cola. I would suggest maybe, uh, Charlie, that she add a little whiskey to that. The tree would come up half cut. <laughs> oh. Oh, okay. uh, I'm sorry. Yeah, I had to do that. Okay, we we have to come uh, come along to our first break here. But uh, you know what I haven't given is the phone, phone numbers. numbers. Yeah, I know. I know. Oh, we get Frankie's going. falling down on the job here. Okay, yeah. uh, let's see. In Toronto, my friends, call four one six. Three six zero zero seven forty, and then anywhere in the province you can reach Charlie Dobbin at one eight six six seven forty four seven forty. That's her long distance line, which of course is free. Alrighty, good enough. Uh, we have to take this a little break now. Give uh, time to our sponsors, and then come back at you with all sorts of good stuff with Charlie Dobbin on the Garden Show. <laughs> Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And rather a gloomy start to uh, this Saturday morning, Charlie. But, hey, let's brighten things up by welcoming in Carmen from Durham, who's on the line right now. Good morning, Carmen. Welcome to the show. Thanks. Yeah, go ahead. Morning. Morning, Morning, uh, Charlie. Morning. What's going on at your place, Carmen? Oh, nothing. Early in the morning. Same thing. Same joke. Same <laughs> Sounds like you stayed day. up all night reading a book, too, uh, Carmen. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I feel that way. <laughs> okay, Mr. Sparkle, what do you got for us? What question do you have for Charlie? You have a coddle seed I got. I want to know how to plant it and how to grow it. <clears throat> Sorry, what kind of seed was that? Avocado. Avocado. Oh, avocado. Oh, right, okay. Good idea. Yeah, we've had a few calls on this one uh, in the last uh, few months. 
it's a wonderful way to, to get into the garden spirit uh, for, um, you know, deep, dark nights and days of winter. So an avocado, simplest way that I've ever grown an avocado, you just get a glass of water, you know, a small, you know, orange juice sized, four ounce, six ounce sized glass, and some toothpicks, three toothpicks. Um, you'll look at the seed. Of course, you've eaten the avocado, so the seed is all washed off and cleaned up. It's got a flat bottom and a pointy top, so you're going to orient it that way. And what you're going to do is you're going to just suspend that seed in in the water so that the, the bottom, flat bottom of the seed will just be kissing or just touching the water below, and you're going to use toothpicks uh, stuck into the seed, and three usually works fine, and um, it just basically the toothpicks hold the seed up on the edge of the glass, and you just make sure you've always got some water touching the seed, and it'll take a couple of weeks, but before you know it, the seed will crack open, and a stem will grow at the top, and roots will grow at the bottom, and once that happens, then you're in a good position to uh, get it planted up in some soil. Isn't that neat? I, I think it was the Toronto Star uh, a couple of days ago. They had a whole section on avocado and oh, how yeah. it's oh, it's huge in the health industry. Right mm-hmm. now. People, mm-hmm. uh, I mean, it's really good for you. Yeah, it is. And it's funny because avocados got really trendy in the last five or six years. Mm. Uh, so that the growers, I mean, they're growing a tree, right? So they're not like an instant crop like tomatoes or something. So, um, yes, avocados have become a very big, like very large horticultural product grown now all over the place, uh, wherever it's warm enough. (laughs) Used in salads and all that sort of thing, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, that's great, Carmen. Hope that helped. Thanks for calling, yeah. Alrighty, yeah. Uh, We go to uh, Markham next and say hi to John, who's waiting patiently there. Hi, John. Good morning. Yeah, good morning. Happy New Year, New Year, both of you. Well, thank you. Thank you. You yeah, too. Let me the first be the first one. I feel honored. Oh, okay. <laughs> Happy growing this year. Uh, I heard so much. I love hydrangeas, uh-huh. and uh, I didn't much luck last year because I bought some of it, kind of a shady area, maybe. That doesn't need about six hours of sun. Is that correct? Uh, it depends on the kind of hydrangea. Are you talking about the ones with the round the, the flowers? Tiny, the tiny. Oh. I did a low, like tapered flowers. Oh, uh, yeah, like conical flowers, like sort of pointy on the top. Yeah, the point. The, the, the yeah. go to a point. Yeah, those they're called tiny, right. I believe. They, yeah, and they do need six hours of direct sunlight every okay. day in yeah. order to flower. I let them suffer last year. I'm going to try to do better this year. I'm going to relocate them in the spring. Yeah, good idea. Yeah. Now, one question regarding the hydrangeas. I heard about, uh, like, coffee grind. That's not good for hydrangea a little bit, like when you plant them? Um, <clears throat> coffee grinds are actually good for any of your plants. Um, yeah, they, I mean, remember nothing to uh, in excess. So no. if you have a pot of coffee every day and you have a quantity of grind, uh, ground every day, uh, I wouldn't just keep putting them in the same spot, but you can definitely sprinkle them in the garden. Um, I went into my composters where I typically put my coffee grounds along uh-huh. with all the other things, banana peels and eggshells and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, no, coffee grounds can be good. They they will slightly acidify the soil, so that's mm-hmm. probably why you've heard of them for hydrangeas. Yeah. Um, and and remember, remember the, the, the hydrangeas you're talking about with the more pointy flowers 
are very different from the hydrangeas with the very round flowers. Uh, the ones with the round flowers very much love a, a pH lower than neutral. And, of course, that's where we get in some of our purple colors and our blue colors in the flowers. Yeah, yeah. The tardy, I found that they get so big. And these are, the other ones, the tardy, are more dwarf. They don't get as big. Right. And the colors yeah. are kind of uh, fall colors in the fall. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're gorgeous. They're, the colors, flowers change color. Yeah. <clears throat> they're very... So don't go to McDonald's and uh, store up on, on coffee grinding. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny, you know, I, I don't know if they still do it, but um, Starbucks used to um, package up their their uh, coffee grinds just in a basket, uh, you know, near the front door of their stores, free for the taking to take home for the garden. Maybe once a week, put a little bit on? Um, yes, you can. Um, do, yeah, don't... Yeah, once a week at the, at the most, and depending on the life in your soil, right? If you've got a very uh, good soil with, with worms and, yeah. and all kinds of microorganisms, then yeah. they'll just chew up those coffee grounds very, very quickly. Uh, that's good. Um, so, yeah, don't don't hesitate and to... Uh, also, do some fertilizing. I'm, I'll maybe talk to you again in the spring, but fertilize mm-hmm. when and uh, what kind of to get. I'll, I want to have a good year with it. I doing it this year. <laughs> yeah, good idea. Mm-hmm. Well, I thank you for your time. Yeah, thank you for calling. Thank you. And thank you. Hesitate thank you. to call back. <laughs> Have a happy New Year, and thank you for tuning our way here on Zoomer Radio, AM 740 and 96.7 FM in downtown Toronto. Uh, I'm going to take a little uh, break and then come back. I've got that question from uh, Marsha Lomas that I've, we've been hanging on to for a couple of weeks. We'll get to that uh, in just a couple of moments. A reminder, phone lines are open in uh, Toronto. Call 416-360-0740. Anywhere in the province, toll free to reach Charlie Dobbin at one 866 Six seven forty four seven forty. Charlie and I will return in moments here on Zoomer Radio. Fur and feathers and bugs of all size. There's more going on in the garden than you realize. Should small creatures become a big problem, then you've got the Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Hey, Charlie, uh, this is our first show in the brand new year of 2021. Uh, good point. Uh, I meant to say that to you. Happy <laughs> Happy New Year. Exactly, my friend. Okay, <laughs> uh, here's that question from Marsha Lomas, and she says, a uh, question about lavender, and she has, I meant to ask this in the summer, <laughs> but I have quite a few lavender plants in the garden. When's the best time to harvest the lavender branches, and what's the best way to prune them or trim them during harvesting? She says, I hesitate to cut too much off. Right, exactly. Now, I'm assuming that um, Marcia is growing uh, lavender. Uh, the species name is Angustifolia. So there's different cultivars, but the Angustifolias are the hardy ones. They're the ones that are more, most likely to survive winter here in Ontario. Uh, and there's a lot of different lavenders out there, so be aware when you're purchasing that you you do purchase a perennial one. And, um, well, the best time to harvest, of course, is when they are blooming or just beginning to bloom. Uh, that's usually about late, midsummer, late, yeah, midsummer when we're do, doing whatever harvesting we're doing. But it is a good idea to prune. So what I do is I wait till the... Whoops. Did we lose... I think we've just lost our connection there with Charlie. So uh, we'll wait to have that reconnected momentarily. Uh, before the show, I thought, you know, we might not get a lot of phone calls here. And, of course, we didn't expect to <laughs> having uh, Charlie drop off there. But I did a little bit of research on subject matter for today. And, uh, and I found out that 
I did something I shouldn't have done. Uh, I emptied the uh, fireplace of ashes, took it out to the woods, and just dumped it in the woods. And actually, I find out that uh, fireplace ashes should be saved to use uh, as a fertilizer for your iris and other alkaline soil plants. So if the uh, ground is workable at all, not frozen and uh, not too wet, uh, it would be an excellent time to turn the soil. I'll get into that right now. <laughs> Certainly in the Stovall area, we got plenty of snow up there. Um, and don't forget about indoor uh, gardening as well. Uh, noted that, uh, oh, we got Charlie back. Okay. Yeah, I was just saying, I'm here. Okay, good. Sorry uh, about that. I don't know what happened. I yeah, just, it just, the call just dropped. You just went away. Well, I didn't really. I was here the whole time. I was talking to myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think you were dealing with a question there. Lavender. Lavender. Well, right, Char. Yeah. So I was just saying that make sure you, if you want perennial lavender, buy Lavender angustifolia, and then, like I said, there's different cultivars from the angustifolias. But what I do in the spring is I wait until the growth starts. So that is not always super early in the spring. Lavender is often a bit slow to wake up. Once the growth starts, you can at that point shear the lavender down uh, because if you don't, it'll get really kind of rangy, leggy, not a very attractive plant. But if you can give it a bit of a shearing, then it's a good idea Never cut off more than a third of the plant at any one time. Remember that as lavender gets older and older, it gets very woody down at the base, so it's like real sort of chunky stems. So you're gonna, the lowest you would go on a lavender plant is, uh, two inches above that wood. Um, so spring is the time to do that, or you could do that in the fall if you like, but it is important to do that pruning to keep the plants looking good and, and nice shape and, and when they flower, of course, they're amazing. Okay. Uh, from Etobicoke, Jan is on the line. Good morning, Jan. Welcome to the show. Good morning. Good morning. Morning. Um, I have a, a magnolia that didn't flower last year, and it's not a tree. It's a bush. It's got lots of root, um, trunks on the bottom. Mm. So am I supposed to fertilize it if and when and what with? Um, well, you know what? It's funny. We had a call, I think it was last week or the week before, Oh, it was last week. A person, woman in Stony Creek was very frustrated because her magnolia hasn't been flowering since she planted it many years ago. So if you looked out at the magnolia right now, would you see flower buds on it right now? They should be on the tips. They're furry. They're large. They're um, oval-shaped furry flower buds. And yes. they should be there now. Do you see those if you look at your magnolia? Yes. And okay. there's lot, lots and lots and lots, like there was last year, lots and lots. But last year, they just didn't open. Oh, interesting. Well, last year was very cold and very wet. And so it is possible we just, you know, environmentally, the plant still is impacted by temperature and moisture. So we did have a, a it's kind of like this year, such a mild fall. And then once winter hit, it seems to kind of go on forever last spring. Um, so what I would do is uh, keep your fingers crossed that we get a real proper spring, the sun, you know, things start to grow and then it stays warm. Because sometimes the flower buds will get frosted off. They'll start to grow. We'll get nice warm weather, the buds will start to grow, and then all of a sudden uh, a, a cold, cold night or a big, you know, hard, harsh wind, and then the, fly, the buds get blasted right off the plant and never open. So um, assume that that's not going to happen. And once they are flowering, enjoy them. Make sure you don't have a lawn growing up against the magnolia. Make sure it's open, preferably with mulch around the base. And I would be fertilizing right around the flowering time. So right, really right after they flower with a general all-purpose flowering plant or flowering tree and shrub type fertilizer. 
Oh, great. And just a comment, um, there was a program on the, the news the other day, and those places where they rescue goats and pigs and donkeys, mm -hmm. they love old Christmas trees. Oh. <laughs> yes, apparently it keeps them going till spring. They eat the, oh. whole, the whole thing. That's great. So I wanted to throw, so when you heard it on the radio, it was somewhere in the area. Uh, I wonder, I guess you'd have to bring the trees to wherever these um, sort of rehabilitation centers are. But good yeah. idea. Good yeah. idea. Yeah, just a comment. Okay, yeah, thank I like you. It. <laughs> Thanks very much, Jet. I appreciate that. Uh, let's see. Oh, um, on the way uh, from our house, uh, we uh, get to uh, Newmarket by going along uh, Vivian Road. And there's a, a farm that we pass, just a small little uh, farm, hobby farm. And there's a goat there called Maggie. And, and it, uh, it's so funny. This darn goat would, it jumps up on a, a little table they got set up there. And often you, you pass by and you look over and there's Maggie standing on top of this table, just looking around. Unbelievable. But cute, you know. Goats. Yeah. All righty. <laughs> well, now, let's see. Richmond Hill, your old stomping grounds. Charlie, mm -hmm. Judy, maybe a, a former neighbor of yours is on the line. Good morning, Judy. Good morning. Morning. <clears throat> Excuse me. I have four four-inch Christmas cactuses. They're called Zygo cactus. Mm -hmm. And I, I had them bought for me uh, after I got out of the hospital a year ago. And I, they're, they're supposed to be all different colors, and I want to put them in one pot. Mm -hmm. you do that? They're in regular potting soil right now, and I bought a bag of um, cactus soil. Or oh, yeah, good idea. Yeah, yeah. So, um, do should I break away the old soil that's regular soil when I put them in the pot? Um, not necessarily. What I would do is when you take the <clears throat> little root balls out of the small pots, yeah. um, you'll find that probably the soil is holding together in the shape of the pot. Yes. If you see a lot of roots, if it's a real bundle of roots, which it probably won't be, but if it is, then I would loosen the soil and loosen the roots. But if, if you just see the, the shape of the pot and the, the roots are within the soil, and it's, it's a nice little mass of soil, I wouldn't do a lot of messing around with it. I would plant at the same level, of course, is important. The depth, they need to be planted at the same level or slightly higher than they were because they will uh, sink down a bit when you do your transplanting and watering. <clears throat> the other thing is I would use a clay pot, so, you know, the clay um, terracotta pots, uh, because it will help with uh, no problem, you're less likely to overwater if you use a terracotta pot. So that I would be a good choice. Also, a sh or um, a shallow pot. Because remember, Christmas cactus do not have very, they're forest cactuses. They do not have deep roots. So just be careful you don't put them in a big tall pot with inches and inches of soil beneath the roots. Yeah. You will find that they will just come to a standstill and they will not, do any growing whatsoever if you do that. They're just, they, um, they, plants get a little bit shocked when they're transplanted, but they get particularly shocked if they get put into a pot that's substantially larger than the one they came out of. Do you know where I can get a shallow pot right now? Um, you're in Richmond Hill. Um, I would think, I'm just trying to think, well, I guess it depends on where you are. I mean, the, the Canadian Tires, the Home Depots, they always have a small plant section and what you're looking for is or um 
where's the nearest Sheridan's Sheridan's and Unionville still open? Um, you want what's called an azalea pot. So it's a shallower pot than a standard pot. Uh, or a pan, a P-A-N pan, because that way it'll, or you might even find something that's just kind of a really attractive ornamental, um, ceramic, uh, low oval or round planting pot. Just make sure whatever you choose has drainage holes. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Good luck with that. Very good. Thank, thank you, you very, very much. much. Okay, Thanks Judy. For going. Have a good weekend, and thank you for tuning our way here on Zoomer Radio. Uh, I'm going to take a look at a, an email that we received, and this from Aldina. She says, I have this ornamental kale since the fall of 2019, and I've kept it growing in the garage in the winter and then back outside in the summer. Right now, it's in the house because it's so cute, and I want to enjoy it. Uh, I went through the process of uh, going to seed and then having the color on the leaves this past year. I've saved the seeds and want to plant them. Here's a question now. Do these plants survive the winter outdoors, Zone 5? And how do I start the new plants with the seeds I've collected. So there you go, Aldina in Cambridge. Yeah, thank you for your, your note, Aldina. Aldina's a pretty uh, consistent uh, writer of emails. We, <laughs> we, she asks good questions. Um, all right, so the question about um, ornamental kale. It's a good question. And actually, it is. she sent some photographs. I don't know if you looked at them, Frank. But, yeah, they're uh, they beautiful. Were, yeah. it, is, it is pretty cute what she's brought in. So she has saved the seeds. Well, in our world, no. Ornamental kale will not survive the winter. They are hardy, uh, pretty hardy, um, which is why they stand up outside all winter. But they'll typically collapse in the spring once the thaw begins. The ornamental kale or ornamental cabbage will often just turn to mush. Um, they're considered hardy to about 5 degrees Fahrenheit, which I believe is about um, minus 15 Celsius. So theoretically they're hardy. They are biennials, so they grow leaves the first year and then they grow flowers the second year. And of course they love our cool fall temperatures because that's when the color gets most intense. Um, so we're lucky that we do have that, that nice fall. We get the great fall color and then they're ornamental all winter in the garden. So what do you do when you want to sow seeds? Well, you've collected seeds or you can buy seeds. Now there's two ways to do this. One is in the spring, sow the seeds and they're going to go on the surface of the soil. So whatever you're planting into, whether it's a cell pack or um, some pots or, or a flat of some kind, remember just sow the seeds on the surface because they need light to germinate. So no burying of the seeds. Of course, you're going to want to use a germination mix or a seed starting mix. It's a much finer soil, um, fine, more finely ground soil than regular potting soil. And um, then you're going to, uh, you know, keep moist. I typically will just have a cover over top of my flats of seeds. It could be one of the plastic hoods or it could just be some saran wrap just to hold in that moisture. And uh, once they grow, then so what I was going to say is start those seeds in the spring and then grow them on as plants throughout the summer. And then they'll be, you know, full size plants in time for fall when they really come into their own. Or you can wait and wait and, and do the math. You sow the seeds six to ten weeks before your projected first frost. So backing it up, if the first frost is in typically late November, then back it up, you know, eight to six to ten weeks from there, and then sow your seeds. Remember, if once those little seedlings start to grow, if they're outside, 
that's fine. But if for whatever reason you've started your seeds inside, like in the spring, or maybe even in the, the late late uh, summer, and you want to get those plants outside, you're going to have to harden them off. You can't just t- take them outside from the warm house straight outside. And even though they're pretty tough little plants, they have to be hardened off or acclimated to the outdoor temperature. So it's taking them out for, you know, a, a couple hours every day until they're tough enough to be able to stay out 24 hours a day. And, of course, you want to plant it into your fall and winter planters. Or if you're growing enough, then, you know, fill some spots where your annuals were. Just, you know, make a big show of a mass planting of ornamental kale. Super pretty. Okay. Um, just a reminder, that was uh, for uh, an email from Aldina, and uh, we always appreciate the emails. It certainly Charlie does. Gives her a chance to do a little bit of research uh, rather than, you know, flying at things off the cuff, as it were. So if you could send uh, an email to Charlie, here it is, jot it down, and then write your question to C dot Dobbin, that's D-O-B-B-I-N at mzmedia.com. And the phone numbers for the Garden Show right now in Toronto, 416-360-0740. Anywhere in the province, toll-free, 1-866-740-4740. And right now would be an excellent time to call. We've got a couple of lines open here on Zoomer Radio. Charlie and I will return in just moments here to the Garden Show on Zoomer Radio. Daffodils and daisies, bluebells and begonias, Forsythia and foxgloves, marigolds, magnolia, lavender and lupins, dahlias, delphiniums, stalks, fox, hollyhocks, tulips and sweet williams. You've picked the right place for everything floral. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. Uh, Charlie, I'd just like to take just a moment to give a, a plug to a show that's going to be on the air tomorrow. My old friend Gene Stevens has a wonderful program called Vintage Favorites, and certainly worth mentioning right now that uh, next week marks the 20th anniversary of the launch of Zoomer Radio on uh, January 8th, as a matter of fact, of 2001, when it was simply called AM740. And there's a lot of history packed into those 20 years, stories of the men and women who built the station and the stories in the songs of the artists we championed. Gene Stevens will tell you this story because he was there right at the start. Station's program director, I know you remember that. And he was fortunate enough to work with some truly wonderful people then and now. And he's delighted and privileged to welcome our Zoomer Media founder, Moses Neimer, who will add his impressions and recollections during the three-hour, three to four-hour, that is, uh, tomorrow. And I hope you'll join him uh, on Vintage Favorites. It starts at one o'clock and runs right through till 4.30, including um, Moses. That sounds yeah. great. Yeah, That's, super, huh? I'll be listening to that. Good stuff. Uh, let's see, we've got Cynthia online from Mississauga. Good morning, Cynthia. Hello, uh, Cynthia. Good morning. Oh, there you are. Happy New Year to you, Charlie. Thank you, Cynthia. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, I'm, I listen to you all the time. I am very glad I got to you today. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm having breakfast, so forgive me. Um, I have some insects. Mm-hmm. I bought it in, in a potted plant, and it's affected. It got into all this, the soil on other plants, mm-hmm. and they bite me. They, they fly around, mm-hmm. and they bite me. And when they bite me, I am, I'm allergic to their bite. I'm itching all over. Oh. Anyway, I want to get rid of them. And um, how do I go about getting rid of them? Okay, that's a very unusual question. <laughs> I've never had that question where something that's on the plants is also affecting you. 
Probably toss the plants rather than because I I have I'm no many, idea. You know, I have too many of about twelve plants. I love my plants mm-hmm. and they're all yeah. beautiful. So hmm. I, you know, I, I had this problem before, and I went to allergist, and he said I should cover my plants, but then they they die, not mm-hmm. able to breathe. And I got rid of it, and now they came it it came back. I'm right. using some I'm using something called sulfur S A F E R pasture S, and it's three in one garden spray. Yeah. And uh, it doesn't say, it says all kinds of different insects it is good for. I've been okay. using it. It says to spray the plants, the mm. top and on the leaf. Yeah. And I've been doing that. I did it twice, but I haven't been able to clear them. See, that's my point. That so often, well, okay, for starters, is this an insect that flies around? Yeah, it flies around, yes. It's a wing. And can you tell me, is it black or white or is it any yeah, color? Very okay. tiny. Black Very tiny. <laughs> You know what, um, if you went to one of your plants right now and you, with the palm of your hand, you just gently tap the side of the pot, mm-hmm. would, if you're near one of your plants, you could try this, um, does a whole little cloud of what looks like fruit flies fly up out of the pot? Yes, oh. they do. Yeah, so that sounds a lot like something called fungus gnat. It's a very small gnat, G-N-A-T. Yes. Uh, not typically uh, something that affects people, but certainly um, are uh, can be a real problem hmm. just because they, they think about insects is that they breed so fast. You yes, know, they, they can lay eggs, uh, at, you know, faster than we can blink, and those eggs hatch and grow up, again, almost faster than we can blink. So it's very, very uh, quick and um growth to the populations of insects. So I would not try spraying for an uh, insect that is flying, particularly inside your house. You will never win that battle. You'll never actually spray all the insects, and you'll just end up getting insecticides all over your walls and curtains. So what I would do is I would cut way back on the watering of your plants. Just um, Some plants you're going to have to you know, feel them, make sure that if they're of the cactus or succulent varieties, let them dry right out. If it's things like poinsettias or, um, you know, flowering plants, you have to dry them down more than you have been so that they feel quite dry on the surface and then water uh, sparingly. And do that for the next month or so. And you're going to find the insect population will drop because the fungus will not be as prevalent in the soil if you dry the soil down more than you currently are. Yeah, okay. And, uh, and then there is now because it's been having water just once per week. Yeah, uh, so don't water on the calendar. Don't, yeah, feel the soil before you water. No watering on the calendar, particularly in the winter, because yeah. all of our plants are so different uh, when they need water and uh, when they can just be left. They use a lot more water in the spring and summer and fall than they do in the winter. So that's one of the things we tend to do as as um, you know, hobby gardeners, as we sort of water consistently year-round, but of course plants aren't growing in these shorter days of December and January, January the way they were back in July and August. So keep that in mind. You just you know cut back on your watering. And the only thing I would do is, and I've recommended this before, it's a product made by Safers. It's available in any garden center or um, um, even at like a you know, a Canadian tire type store would have them. And they're just called sticky sticks. So sticky and then S-T-I-X, kind of like the old flypaper, uh, except these are yellow, sticky yellow uh, cards. And follow the instructions, get them out in amongst your plants, and you will trap flying insects. All insects love yellow. 
and they're very attracted to the yellow and they get, they fly towards it. They get stuck in the sticky, um, cards. And before you know it, again, you lower the population of insects dramatically. And it'll take a few weeks, but if you cut back on watering, get out the sticky sticks, you should be able to eliminate them. Thank you very much, Cynthia. I hope those uh, helpful words are going to pay off for you. Now, boy, that's weird that those little things are biting her, huh? Never yeah, heard that I wonder if there's, you know what, I find it, it, sometimes we have more than one thing going on. And at this time of year, it's so dry, right? The humidity yeah. levels are so low. Um, sometimes this is a time of year where we need to take a fill the bath and put some baby oil into it or some Epsom salt, something that will take some of the dryness and irritation out of our skin. Mm-hmm. So I'm just, you know, she might have that going on separately because typically, like I said, anything that's going to be found in plants inside our homes uh, are, is not something that's interested in human beings or pets or anything like that. They just like the, they, they like something about the plants. Okay. Um, that uh, call from Cynthia leaves me to say that one line is open here at 416-360-0740 or in the province anywhere you call 1-866-740-4740. It's a free call to reach Charlie Dobbin here on The Garden Show. We're going to be back to talk to Pete just around the corner here in Toronto. Next on The Garden Show. Don't change stations just because the weather changes. Garden tips and advice all year round. This is The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin, exclusively on Zoomer Radio. And Charlie, as promised, let's get to Pete, who's waiting on the line there, maybe just around the corner here in Toronto. Good morning, Pete. Good morning, and thank you for taking my call, Frank. And you're right, uh, so right when you say uh, Gene Stevenson's great show there. Listen to him all the time, and I look forward to his show tomorrow. Um, But I must say, I must say, Frank and Charlie, uh, you guys have the best um, radio garden show on radio. There's no question about that. Oh, that's (laughs) true. (laughs) I I got a quick question regarding my uh, Japanese maple. Uh, It's a mature Japanese maple in my front lawn. And I noticed this year, a lot of the foliage is still hanging around the tree. Um, it's lost, I would say, probably, I'd probably say about 50% of the leaves um, have fallen. But I'm just wondering if there's something I should have done or didn't do uh, to the tree um, in the fall. Um, and I'm just wondering why the leaves are still hanging around. <laughs> Good question, actually. Um, no, there's nothing you can do uh, or could have done. Uh, it all com- comes down to the environment. So what should happen if in a normal fall, if, you know, if there's such a thing as normal anymore, what should happen is we get our fall weather, which includes sunny days and then cold nights. So you get that that temperature differential, warm still in the daytime. Of course, the soil at that time is still warm. Plants are knowing that winter's coming because the days are getting shorter. And as the nights get cooler, again, plants start to respond. Physiologically, things go on in the plants. And it's actually, there's a some cells actually die between where the leaves are attached to the branches of the, t- branches of the tree. So when those that layer of cells dies and then we get a windy day, the leaves blow off and they're gone. And, you know, we, that's what we call it fall. But if we don't get those sort of nice warm days and snappy cold nights, then the leaves often don't form what we call that abscission layer. So what we had is we had very, very mild fall. 
We did get one cold snap, and then it got mild again. And all of that caused many trees to say, okay, hold on, I'm, I'm confused. <laughs> I'm holding on to my leaves. And, uh, and then, of course, you know, winter came anyway. So the, the leaves did hold on. They did stay brown. But I would not be overly concerned. What will happen in the spring is the buds will start to break, the new growth will start to emerge, and that will force the old leaves off. Got it. Okay, so no concerns at all. That is wonderful. Not at all. And actually, you might remember, Pete, about two years ago, three years ago, we had a fall where we never really had any cold snaps at all. Like, we had no fall color that year. And so many trees held onto their leaves that winter. We just yes. we just kept being mild all fall, and then it was winter overnight. And, and the plants just helped. They, many people were very concerned that their um, deciduous trees were dead because all the leaves were so dead and still attached. But everything turned out perfectly fine in the spring. I remember that. That is great. Tony, thank you so much for the answer. I really appreciate it and love listening to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for calling, Pete. Yeah, bless your heart. And thanks for those nice words, too. (laughs) Always nice to receive a little pat in the back, isn't it? On behalf of everybody (laughs) at the station, thank you. Uh, Here's a note from Ann Cavanaugh, email. Uh, says, hello, Charlie. For a gift, I received a waxed amaryllis. Now, I'm sure you've seen them before, but I have not. The part of the bulb, which would be below the soil in a pot, has been sealed in wax. Instructions say place on a tabletop in bright light, but not direct sun. <laughs> the bulb is blooming beautifully. When the blooming is done, what can I do to reuse the bulb? Hmm. <laughs> Have you seen these at all, Frank? No. So you know what an amaryllis bulb looks like. It's a big bulb. Yeah. And, and these are literally dipped in wax. It's often it's like a bright red Christmas wax. Yeah, right. So, um, yeah, and all the energy for that plant to grow is in the bulb, just waiting to grow. Uh, and with a little wax coat on like that, they'll put a little flat bottom on the bottom of the of the um bulb so it stands up nicely and of course the reason we keep it out of direct sun is because the wax will melt off the amaryllis and i'm afraid to say Anne, uh that there's a very short answer to her question about what can i do to reuse the bulb the answer is absolutely nothing when bulbs are waxed like that it is what we would call a one season wonder that is a bulb that goes into the composter once it's finished blooming there's no way you can uh, keep that plant going because of course it's using all that energy from the bulb and none of that energy is being replaced because you have no soil no water not you're not doing any inputs into the into the the blooming amaryllis so the amaryllis is using its energy and then will die Aha, uh-huh, good point. Uh, a little tip that I picked up, I went online this morning just to, you know, go over some of the things that gardeners should be thinking about at this time of the year. And one little note says actively growing houseplants will benefit from a half-strength shot of liquid houseplant fertilizer. What's your thought on that, Charlie? Well, the operative word there, Frank, is actively growing. Ah. Okay, so many plants are not actively growing at this time of year, and how we can judge whether something's actively growing or not is, is it flowering? So, for example, you might have African violets right now that are blooming. Definitely half-strength fertilizer. Orchids, same thing. Amaryllis, for sure. Christmas cactus, why not? But generally speaking, no. Most plants are not actively growing. So do not start to fertilize them until we get into much longer days, preferably late March. Right. One of the other little tips that I picked up was uh, certainly this time of year, uh, folks don't think of getting out into the garden, but it's a great time to uh, spend some time on those garden tools, readying them up for spring, right? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's something to keep yourself a little bit busy. And when you can't get out there and do some gardening, you can certainly get yourself organized. One thing that many people do right now is they'll order, though they're not printed as much as they used to be, uh, seed catalogs. Uh-huh. Uh, or go on the web, and you can just start to salivate at some of the great choices of plants that are of seeds that are out there. It is the time now to be ordering your seeds. Remember last year when the pandemic hit? Suddenly everybody was a gardener, and you couldn't buy a tomato plant for love nor money. So get your seeds in in, in you know on order and in your home so that you've got them ready to go. When not that we're planting tomato seeds now, we wait till March, but certainly you can start looking at what's out there. Uh, consider looking up a CD Saturday or CD Sunday in your neighborhood. Um, you may find uh, there's an exchange going on and people are seed swapping. Uh, now, it might not be in person. It might be more of a you drop it at my front door and I'll drop yours at your front door kind of thing. But either way, uh, consider ways to get a hold of seeds now and uh, and start planning for that spring and summer that's coming very, very soon. Okay. And, Charlie, we are fresh out of time. In fact, we're over time a little oh bit. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yeah. We are. How about that? All right. Thank you so much for, uh, once again, a great show, Charlie. Yeah. Thank you, Frank. And thank you, Carlos. Thanks to our great callers. See you all again next week. This has been an exclusive podcast of The Garden Show with Charlie Dobbin. Heard every Saturday morning at 9 on Zoomer Radio, the new AM740. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.